Good morning and welcome to our worship service from the United Methodist Church at Westlake Village on this November 20th, Thanksgiving Sunday. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know that I've tried to be very cautious for you all with uh, our time together during this pandemic, and so I, I, I want to let you know that I was exposed yesterday to somebody with COVID, and so I'm wearing a mask. I don't feel badly or anything, but I'm wearing a mask just to be safe when I'm around you. So, um, Tim, keep your distance. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm just hiding out from you today when you don't see me very much. I'm just trying to be uh, cautious about it. Um, these flowers, I hope, are not lost among this beautiful decorations because isn't this uh, just tremendous what the altar looks like this morning? We have uh, Candy Wilcox and Laura Bintliff and Kathy Seabury to thank for the Thanksgiving decorations. Ladies, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It looks, it just looks gorgeous and just so homey. And we, and we thank the Marbox for supplying some flowers, honoring their uh, daughter's birthday, and the Freemans for providing flowers, honoring their love of, or their marriage, which I assume is love, but now I'm going down a terrible thing. You've been married for 57 years, and that's what you're honoring, but you may have loved each other longer than that, is what I'm trying to say. So, so it's not just honoring your love of 57 years, it's honoring your marriage of 57 years. And today is the very day. Congratulations. Congratulations. Very, very good. Thank you so much. Uh, soup and pie luncheon right after worship uh, in the patio and in Alton Hall um, with the crafty ladies. You notice as you were coming in, the crafty ladies have their tables uh, overflowing with crafts. It's amazing all the stuff that they've been doing. That's out there as well. And also, we have started our Christmas uh, gift market. And so, um, Kathy or someone from the, the mission team will be out there at the, uh, at the table for that. Um, we have a tradition of, of getting involved with many mansions or with Harbor House during the Christmas season, Thanksgiving to Christmas, for adopting a family. If that interests you, talk to Kathy about it, but you'll see information on the church's website and the things that, that we send out about how to participate in that. Uh, this week, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, uh, those of you who uh, find this a lot of fun are invited to come to church for the Hanging of the Greens. Linda Mengus will be in charge, and she'll look to meet up with you at 10 o'clock outside the sanctuary um, to, to put stuff up around the campus, or pretty much here inside, uh, for the holiday season. And that's, so that's Wednesday morning at 10, and then Wednesday at 7 at night, you're invited to go to the Mormon church uh, over at um, Newberry Park on Wendy for the interfaith Thanksgiving service. Well, enough preliminaries, right? Let's get down to it. Let's worship the Lord our God. <laughs> Sing with joy, give praise to the Lord. 
stand for the call of, to worship, remain standing for the hymn and invocation. Come, let us worship the Lord our God, who was, is, and will be now and forevermore. Praise the Lord, who creates, redeems, and sustains. Give thanks with a grateful heart for all your blessings. We give God thanks and rejoice in God's standard for the invocation. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Holy God, God, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we reflect upon our many blessings and give you thanks. We pray we might live our lives in the spirit of gratitude and seek always and everywhere to be a blessing to others. In Christ's name, so happy to be here with you this morning and I have a question do you like working puzzles and I do in fact I just got done working a puzzle that was called my Thanksgiving list and it had all sorts of things in which we should be thankful for and as I was thinking about it I thought you know this morning I want to share with you my top five Thanksgiving or thankful 
things that, top five things that I am thankful for. Number five, I am thankful for the teachers that I have had in my life. I'm thankful for the teachers that have taught my children and my husband. I'm thankful for our Sunday school teachers, those that love us and nurture us and care for us that we may live and grow. Number four, I am thankful that I have friends. I have people that know me so well that I don't even have to say anything. They just sit with me and be my friend. And sometimes they can finish my thoughts. And sometimes we just get together and go out for a lunch or even just for a cup of coffee. It makes me feel good to know that I have friends outside of my family in this world. Number three, my family. I am super, super thankful for my family. I'm glad that God gave me a husband that loves me and God gave me children that are very amazing and in ways that I could never have thought of what my family would be. God has blessed our family. And I know that God has blessed you guys too. But not just my nuclear family that I live in right now am I thankful for. I am thankful for my parents. Those that have raised me in the Christian faith have taught me what it means to walk with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to worship God. I'm so thankful that I was raised in a Christian family. And number one, I am thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for his willingness to come, to be here on earth with us, to show us what it means to be a human that is connected to God. I'm thankful for so much, friends. Well, that's my top five list, but I'm wondering, what is your top five list? So I want you to think about it. You can go out and share that with your teachers today. Also, I will have a copy of your very own Thanksgiving list word search that you can take with you. So friends, I hope that you have had a really good time with me trying to remember what we should be thankful for and what we are thankful for. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for all of your rich blessings. Help us to share what you have given us with those who are less fortunate than we are. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's children say, amen. All right, friends, go ahead and leave Sunday school to Sunday school with your teachers. And I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and I will see you next week. ourselves and go to God in prayer. 
Holy God, hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with our brothers and sisters of our faith family in prayer this morning. We know we need your touch in our lives, and we pray that we sense it and are impacted by it this day in worship. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, troubled relationships, uncertain employment, or, or other forms of disease or discomfort. We pray that you are with them, Lord God. Oh God, hear our prayers. We think this morning of the Drake family, the Nadoff family, Breda Jeter, Sally DeLong, and Sarah Pierce, all who are dealing with cancer in one form or another, finding their way forward through treatments, loving each other along the journey. We pray that you would walk with them and strengthen them. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Specifically this morning, we pray for a bill not off as he is hospitalized for a fall and, and possible pneumonia. For Barry Fouch, who is hospitalized for pneumonia in North Carolina. And for Steve Ames, who is hospitalized for weakness. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For Jim Giuliano, recovering from spinal abscess surgery Pat Murphy, recovering from knee replacement surgery. Dave Crawford, recovering from surgery and awaiting reports on how to proceed. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Karen Shaver, who is suffering from pneumonia. Jan Sorensen's friend, Charlene, whose husband has had a stroke. Lynn Dawkins' brother-in-law, Tom, uh, whose cancer has metastasized to his spine. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for those who are suffering from COVID, particularly we think this morning of Steve and Carol Ames. We pray that you would be with them and help them to uh, recover fully from this disease. Oh, Lord, Hear our prayers. We think of the victims and those who are traumatized from the shootings that we have had in our country this last week for the, the Colorado Springs LGBTQ nightclub shooting uh, just last night and for the shooting in Charlottesville of the football players. We, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help our country to be one of peace and not of violence like this. Help us to care for one another, to be family to one another, to lay down the weapons of violence. We pray for ourselves and our country, and we pray for our world where there is oppression and violence. We pray for peace. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of other people in situations that we privately hold in our thoughts.
O Lord, hear our prayers. And for particular moments or circumstances of joy, we, we're thankful that Carol got the staples out of her head from her fall and is feeling fine as far as that is concerned, healing as she should. We are thankful for Bob Went, who has gone a year from the complications of his cancer around his uh, pancreas. We are so grateful for that. And we are thankful for Gary Evans and Tom Sutphin and Boyd Donovan and others in our community in the Interfaith Refugee Team who have furnished a residence for Ukrainian family in the Ventura area for the goodwill and the effort of these people. We are thankful and we raise our hearts in joy, Lord God, to you. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We would pray, holy God, that you would watch over your church, over our church here, that you would help us all to continue in our ministry on behalf of your purposes in your name and this particular congregation, we would pray that you would help to increase our effectiveness and our vitality for your purposes. May the good we do, Lord God, be pleasing in your sight. We pray this all in your son's holy name, joining in his prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. As we transition now out of prayer into our anthem, the choir is singing an anthem this morning that they uh, want to beckon us to join in with them near the end. So uh, as attentive as you can be to Carol, or to Gloria, be that way, and she'll She'll beckon you in as the time comes and sing out and enjoy.
Our scripture reading today is from Paul's epistles to the Colossians and to the Romans. Hear the word of Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, or by making peace through the blood of his cross. Hear the words from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 24. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of God for the people of God. Join me in a prayerful attitude as we pray that we might be illumined through this time of scripture and sermon. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Amen. Now last week we spoke about the establishment, uh, encouraging ourselves to establish a firm foundation in our lives through faith in God, through Christ. And how that would establish us with a, uh, a spiritual strength so as to weather the storms of life. 
Now, if you didn't get to hear last week's uh, sermon, check it out on the website and pull it up. It sets the stage for today as we focus on living into the future empowered by this foundation, strengthened and inspired to serve its purposes, to do its good. Pretty hard to climb that mountain if you haven't done all the drills and checked your equipment and readied yourself for that effort, isn't it? So much of life can be a painful experience and can be uh, disappointing. So establishing that foundation of faith is crucial to getting through life in a good spirit, in a healthy way, in an emotionally balanced way, in a, in a way that helps us to thrive and not be beaten down. Traveling one's rocky road of life with ups and downs and twists and turns can tempt the person to throttle down the gears and maybe even, maybe even throw in the towel. It's important that we stay anchored to our faith foundation and strive forward in life, ever mindful of it, Indeed, resourced by it. Paul writes in Romans that he understands creation is under repair. That God through Christ is bringing forth a, a new and redeemed creation. He writes, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. And the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. That's a positive attitude, isn't it? And it's not just creation in general that is in process of transformation and rebirth. It's we humans Two. Paul writes, but it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. In Paul's perspective, this way of life, of connecting with the Spirit and being open to it. This was very exciting, though it was difficult in its circumstance in society. And he kept urging his followers to make the needed changes of lifestyle to stay faithful, to hold the course, to persevere. Challenges call for our best, and they draw out our best. So he shares his prayer with his people, saying he was asking God to give us all wise minds and spirits, 
attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Because maybe it is that God doesn't necessarily work the way we work all the time in all circumstances. I should actually say that the other way around. Maybe it is that we don't work the way God works in all times, in all circumstances. Again, we hear the importance of a solid foundation out of which life's ventures and grows. Paul writes, we pray that you live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. You get the imagery that Paul's using here, right? As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. Now, I just love the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture, but every once in a while I want to read out of the Message Bible because it kind of awakens us to perhaps a more impactful way of hearing what we heard. And I think these words that I've shared with you kind of does that, doesn't it? You will learn how to do your work by learning how God does God's work. Living into the expression of faith in life, we learn more about faith and how faith can actually transform us and the life around us. Doing... We learn, and learning, we do. So I was going to share some, some illustrations with you of, of people who had taken their faith seriously and allowed it to shape them, and, and then as a consequence, were, were able to manage through great hardship or do great good. In 2006, and then in 2015, there were, were two mass shootings among uh, religious groups, I would say. The, the first was a bunch of Amish school children who got... Uh, killed by a shooter. And then the second was those people in uh, Emmanuel AME in Charleston, South Carolina, who were in a Bible study and got, and got shot. It's, it's unfortunately too apropos to our, our life today. What is remarkable about those two situations is that the grieved loved ones somehow somehow got themselves to the place of forgiving the perpetrators. Now, I, I get that in my head, but it's really hard to get my, uh, my emotions around that. And, and I think... Um, 
That's a sign of my spiritual immaturity that I can't. And a sign of their maturity that somehow they were able to have done the work of faith in shaping their souls that they moved through that horrible situation in a way that was full of grace and of love. It's, it's not that they let the killers out to roam the streets and shoot again or anything. It's, it's that they had an attitude and then interacted with the perpetrators. In our lifetime, we've, we've witnessed a, a great deal of sacrifice and courage in the civil rights movement for women, for, for people of color, for people with, with differing sexual orientation. In our lifetime, we have seen people um, motivated by a sense of, of liberty and freedom and justice and also motivated by a sense of their faith to stand forward and to undergo the, the throes of interaction in these areas to try to bring forward a better way. I think of them doing that as an expression of their faith. And, and again, I think of myself and the risks I have been willing or not willing to bear. And I think it's good that we do that. We do kind of look at ourselves and say, where's the faith, buddy? Where's your trust in God? Well, the more I thought about it and the more I look around into your eyes and think about your lives, the more I think that the real illustrations of what I'm talking about are not these external, far away, miraculous kind of things in people's lives, but it's you. It's you in your life. And the hurdles that I know some of you have had to jump over or go through to be the kind of people of faith that you are. And so I'm not going to embarrass you all and call you out by name and tell your story. But I thought I would just share a collective story of ours as, as an example of what Paul's talking about and, and we're thinking about today, about how important faith as a foundation is to the conduct in our families and in our community. You know that I have referred to our recent years here as a congregation. I've used the word of reckoning. And I've used that on purpose because a reckoning is something that calls us to accountability. It kind of uh, throws down the gauntlet, calls the bluff. A reckoning is, is a thing like that. And so I've used the word reckoning for what uh, many of the congregations of, 
of uh, American Methodism or even of mainline Protestantism in America have gone through over the last decade. But we in our lives, in our collective life together, we've gone through a kind of reckoning in these last few years in that we were presented with some acute challenges to our, our personal faith, haven't we? And our congregation's self-perception. And, and we chose to be an inclusive congregation that would welcome all of God's children and that indeed we thought it was important for us because we thought it was important to Jesus to love all of God's children and especially support those who were somehow marginalized in our communities and in our neighborhoods and in our country. We will be blessed by that clarity of faith. We will be blessed by that clarity of faith. Not only with a peace of mind, but also with an assurance from above because we are doing God's work. We are offering ourselves, we are offering our congregation to God for God's loving, redemptive, holy, graceful work for God's purposes. And God will work through us, empowering us to do God's good. Now, you recall last May, we had our, our first planning retreat. We were we were kind of still in the pandemic, thinking that we were kind of coming out of the pandemic, and we started to cast a vision uh, forward, thinking that, you know, we're going to live through this, aren't we? And, and life will go on, and our church will go on, and how do we want our church to go on? How do we want our lives to go on? And so we, we got together, and, and there was about 25 or, or 30 of us on that occasion, um, and we, we set some large a strategic vision about what we hope to do. And then we just got together about a, three weeks ago or something, right, Rick? We got together and we had, uh, uh, gosh, nearly 50 people together trying to work on that larger vision down into more practical goals. Now, this is ministry that we're talking about. This is how we are living out our faith collectively with one another for the glory of God and for the impacting of the community and maybe even the betterment of ourselves. So I've asked Rick here. I had the good fortune of him being the liturgist today, and so I could just kind of turn to him and say, Hey, Rick, how did that go? Rick is our church council chairperson, and so I'm going to ask the, the cameras and the mics and everything to get on to Rick now for a while so that Rick can share with us uh, that experience. Rick? Uh, uh, thank you, Pastor Walt. Setting a course for a better life. 
We all believe that our church can and should play a vital role in guiding and nurturing that better life. But how do we go about setting that course? So as Pastor Walt said, uh, late in April, we came together and set a vision of where we wanted to be as a church in the next three to five years. And we set nine aspects of that vision. I, I think you can, it'll be appear on the screen. Um, and these included many different things. Having a greater dynamic digital presence, having a thriving youth program, having a vibrant intergenerational family ministry, and so on. And you can see our vision for the next three to five years. But how can we achieve this vision? So, as Pastor Walt said a few Sundays ago, we once again came together to begin that process of turning this vision, this practical vision, into reality. We knew that we could not do it overnight, but in bite-sized, concrete steps. So we first looked very hard at where we were as a church. What were some of our strengths? What were some of our weaknesses? We then looked at what, we were, what was going on in the community at large. What were some of the opportunities? What were some of the threats? From there, we narrowed things down and set priorities. What were our priorities? What could we realistically do? What could we realistically achieve in the next year? Now, after much discussion, we decided to pursue six major goals to be accomplished in 2023. And you can see those on the screen. These goals are grouped under two areas. First area, engaging the community. And the second area, supporting our membership. Under engaging the community includes, first, conducting an extensive outreach campaign to support and grow our Caneo Connect. Now, Caneo Connect has a wonderful set of programs, ongoing programs, and it is a great opportunity for us to attract new members to the church. But how can we more effectively communicate these programs, not just among our congregation, but to the community at large? So the goal is to take steps to better communicate this ministry. Another way to attract new members to the church is to host community events. So our second goal is to host two community events next year, one in the spring and one in the fall. And these would be events featuring issues that the community members would be interested in, but would also highlight how our church plays or could play a role in such issues. Our third goal is to place an electric sign out in front of our property. Now we sit on a wonderful location. Many people pass by our church every day. So to take advantage of that, we would place an electric sign that would inform the community what is going on at our church and invite them to participate. We set several goals under the grouping supporting our membership. The first is membership care. We want to focus upon the care of our existing members. We want to better support and care for these members, many of whom have struggled, especially as a result of the pandemic. At the same time, though, many of our members want to give their time and talent to the church and its activities. But who and how? 
So our second goal is to develop a more comprehensive volunteer database so we can better pat so we better so we can better match potential volunteers with volunteer opportunities. This will help facilitate more active involvement in the church and its activities by our members. And our last goal concerns the overall on-site church experience. How can we strengthen and improve this? From the moment you step foot onto church property to the moment you leave. Is this experience positive? Is it uplifting? Is it meaningful? Will you return? So we are setting a course for a better life. These goals are ambitious, but they are achievable, and we hope to have them achieved in this upcoming year. And they are achievable with your support and with your prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. I hope you hear in these goals the translation of the sermon. When we clergy speak sermonically, you know, we're, we're, we're saying all sorts of things, and sometimes it sounds like they're big pie-in-the-sky things or things about other people or things about out there. But really, <clears throat> we're talking about the impact of God on us, how that transforms us, and how we then reflect that out into the community. And so these concrete things of how we welcome people, how we share love with one another, how we support one another in illness or in great joy, whether we take some pains to, to help to educate the next generation with the, a clear sense of grace and not judgment hanging upon their soul. All these very particular things come from the larger vision of embracing God's love. So these particular things are really important. And I know that Rick and the, the lay leadership team are more than open to having as many people as are um, stimulated and excited about any of those possibilities to step forward and to tell them, I want to get involved here, or I want to help with this. Maybe you're just a really practical person and you know how to deal with signs and signage or with city and county regulations about signs and signage. Maybe you're that kind of person. Well, we need that kind of person, just like we need the kind of person that knows how to sit and hold a hand and help somebody feel loved. Everyone is needed through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness. In the back, there are, I don't know, I think I made about 20 or 25 packets of the 12-page long report of the planning retreat. So if, if you would like to have one of those, they're on the... Um, like the sign-in kind of uh, lectern that's out in the narthex, you're welcome to grab one. Rick will be sending out to everybody in the church, friends and members, a, a two- or three-page synopsis of it, so you'll get that anyway, regardless. But if you want a, a more detailed version of it, it's out there for your taking, and if they run out, just let Rick or I know, and we'll 
be sure to get you the larger version. The journey forward in faith begins with one step. That sounds like a trite thing, but it is totally, totally true. If you want to stop eating Doritos because it's bad for you, you have to choose to not eat Doritos today and then not eat them tomorrow and then not eat them the next day. And then if Friday comes along and you fall and you have to eat some Doritos, you got to get back up on Sunday and not eat those Doritos, right? That's a personal joke because I'm addicted to Doritos and I'm speaking of myself, but maybe it applies to you. If you want to reach that goal, it's got to be one day at a time, one step at a time. But you got to take those steps. You got to make a decision that we're stepping forward now. We are in the zone of blessing from Almighty God. And we're going to claim that and we're going to step forward and we're going to make a difference. One step at a time. God bless you all. Let's make this true. Amen. invited to share of your financial resources by the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that, that are happening throughout our congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good that we do. So give generously and be part of what happens in people's lives to the congregation, the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village.
Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who give them, that our ministries in your Son's spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. this service has been a blessing to you all. Let me remind you if you are here present or if you can get in the car and quickly come, soup and pie, as well as some great crafty lady crafts and some Christmas market stuff, all in Alton Hall or the patio right outside the sanctuary. Let's join together in our responsive benediction. Go in peace to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. We are sent for Christ's name. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Oh